Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, I want to start today's show following up on Matt LaFleur's Monday press conference, as usual, day after the game, review of the proceedings. And it was really kind of funny because he had notched his 10th win, becoming the first Packers head coach in the 101-year history of the Green Bay Packers to reach double-digit wins in his first season in Green Bay. But big surprise, he didn't do anything (laughs) to celebrate it whatsoever. He was a little frustrated with the way some of the things had gone on offense in the game, and so afterward he went straight up to his desk on the third floor in the atrium and put on the game film and started grinding away to try to figure out how to get this thing where he wants it to be. The whole 10 wins and all that, you know, it's like, okay, he'll, he'll relish it. However it shakes out in the off season. But uh, this guy is, this guy is absolutely laser focused on getting the Packers to a level that he hasn't seen yet. Yeah. And I think that's what, when you break it all down and you see a team that's 10 and three, but still has areas to improve, that's the motivation right now for him and this Packers offense. It's very interesting because right now, as it stands, the Packers are 10-3, and three, and we're going to talk about playoff scenarios. That's going to be a topic moving forward here until Week 17. Sure. But unlike many other years, you know, Mike McCarthy always used to like to say, you get to 10 wins, you can start thinking playoffs. This is a different type of year because of just how top-heavy and – you know, the NFC has been and how basically six teams have really separated themselves now with the Rams getting that win from the rest of the pack. And then you have whatever is ha- happening right now in the <laughs> NFC East. Right. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> it's like the Heron Hall of the NFL right now that you won't understand that reference. But it's like, does anyone want to win this thing? Like I said, it's a race to seven wins. At least that's I, what, kind of what it looks like right yeah, now. Yeah, and for a second there, I was that first half on Monday night, I was like, oh, well, maybe Eli Manning wants to come back and yeah. win this thing. Who knows? But... <laughs> That being said, the Packers have to stay concentrated because there is scenarios here, Mike, where the Packers could win 11 games and miss the playoffs, depending yep. on how certain things you know, come together. Now, yep. the, the, there are two linchpin games to this whole thing. It's the Packers and Vikings next week, and it's the 49ers and Rams, which I believe is also week 16. Yes. A lot of implications yes. based off of both of those. Yes. But for either one of those to have huge implications for week 16, you have to get through the Packers and the Bears and the Rams and the Cowboys. The Packers and Bears, I mean, that that matchup right there, the Packers win that game and the Rams lose, the Packers do technically have a playoff spot clinched, if I have that math correct. Yes, that is is correct. This week, a Packers win and a Rams loss guarantees the Packers a playoff spot of one sort or another. But here's the spoiler alert. If that scenario plays out, I guarantee you next Monday, Matt LaFleur is not going to want to talk about that. He's going to want to talk about (laughs) getting the 12th win and winning the division. Right. That's the way he's driven, and then that's the way the scenario's played out. The Packers have worked so hard. I mean, you can talk about the ups and the downs of this season, but they've put themselves in a position, Mike, on December 10th to have 10 victories. A team that had been playing and clawing from behind for the better part of three years, well, now suddenly they're the ones going around that final turn of the track with the wind in their back and trying to finish this race strong. But you know there's other teams that are going to try to have a good kick too and are going to try to usurp them there on that final you know, 100 meters or what have you. Yeah. That's why the motivation, that's why the attention to detail has to be there because as we've talked about now a little bit, and we'll preview it more tomorrow, the Chicago Bears are for real. I mean, they are still a good football team that has a 
not so great record. They're making a charge. But they're making a charge, and the Packers have to hold them off on Sunday. There's one way to do that. And that's to be focused on win number 11. Yeah, it is it is to be focused on win number 11. And just to give everyone the quick rundown as to where things stand right now, as we just mentioned, the Packers can clinch a playoff spot this week if they win and if the Rams lose. That would guarantee the Packers a spot in the postseason. As far as the NFC North is concerned, right now the magic number is 12. If the Packers get to 12 wins, they win the NFC North, which means they need to win two of their last three games to win the division, and it doesn't matter which two. They can beat the Bears and the Lions and lose to the Vikings and their division champs, or they can win one of the other ones and beat the Vikings and their division champs. 12 wins is the magic number there. And obviously the Packers are still keeping their eye on what's going on with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Saints in terms of two of the division champions in the NFC are going to get first-round buys, and so all of that is still in play as well. And to point this out as well, I mean, it's not quite run the table. Maybe it's run the coffee table or run the nightstand, but, I mean, <laughs> the Packers could very well win these last three, and then you get a first-round buy. Either yes, the first they, are in con- they are in control of that. If the Packers yeah. get to 13 wins, they will have a first-round buy, either the one or the two seed, depending on what else happens. But obviously getting getting to 13 wins is a huge task when your last three opponents are all of your division opponents and two of those after this week are going to be on the road yeah absolutely one of the things I really did enjoy though uh, beyond what Matt LaFleur said just about that reaching that milestone was how he broke down this game and I think one of the things that he's been really good with the media with this year that he probably doesn't get enough credit for those Monday breakdowns a lot of times after the games he says you know we have to look at it we have to review it but once he reviews it he's been pretty transparent in what he sees and he did it again on Monday we're looking at some of the plays that they were just an eyelash here or two away from breaking a big one and it's one of the reasons why he still thinks this offense he likes where it's at he thinks the potential is there for them to be really good down the stretch they just have to clean some stuff up in this game it was you know kind of pretty much amounted to the pass yeah it did it did amount to the passing game you can't argue with 174 rushing yards which is a season high for the packers in 2019 134 of those from aaron jones but matt lafleur and this is what i thought was kind of interesting is he started that press conference on monday he rattled off like five or six plays showing how top of mind they were they're still on his mind as to how close the Packers were in the passing game to breaking this open. He mentioned the play-action throwback to Jimmy Graham a few times. There was a, a post play over the middle where Alan Lazard was open and and Packers didn't connect. There was a potential touchdown pass to Jay Sternberger. Um, the rookie tight end didn't quite connect there. There was a screen pass to Jamal Williams where one block was missed, and right. that could have broken for a big one. There was a, a third down pass to Aaron Jones down the sideline that uh, didn't quite connect. Jones actually released to the inside, which was unexpected, but it's because the cornerback slipped. And Rodgers, because he was lofting a deep ball, he still threw it as though it was an outside release, and so then Jones couldn't catch up with it. So just all these things with the little circumstances, something's off here or there, the timing is a little bit off, so things weren't connecting. This was the message I got for him, though. Matt LaFleur wasn't standing at the podium saying, saying, okay, we're really close, everything's going to be all right. right. He's like, no, he's saying, we're really close, and we have to get there. Right. That, that, was, that was his message. He is going to be pushing these guys, and he talked about the details of the plays, and that comes down to things like the releases and the timing and, and a block here or there. The details of the plays, he's going to be pushing these guys 
to really lock down on those details because for the Packers to get to where they want to go the rest of this season and hopefully into January, that's what it's going to take. It's going it's going to take the execution of all of the finer points so that you're not standing there on a Monday and and saying like, oh yeah, we were just three or four yeah. plays away that we needed to connect. You know, that's uh, obviously that's not going to cut it in January. Well, I think the big line. Uh, I think it was Lindy Infante who once said, you know, we were five plays away from being twelve and four when they were seven and nine or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it happens, right? I mean, those <laughs> those are the kind of things, but. It's also hindsight, and if you flip a coin however many times, it's going to vary depending on what's going to happen in that given scenario. I mean, it's just you can't have all the stars line every time. You have to make sure that you correct what's correctable and then live with the mistakes because it is a, it's a human game. There are mistakes. There's just the fundamental issues that I think the Packers want to hone up here. And you saw it, and it's not just with the offense. It's all three phases. I thought the special teams, as we talked about yesterday, took a big step forward. And, and LaFleur was very effusive in his praise for their blocking on their punt returns yep. and the, how they cleaned some stuff up there. Tyler Irvin staying north and south and you know catching a clean ball. The defense and, and you know being able to can dictate the tempo a little bit. Yeah, there were a couple breaks there in the middle of the field that they want to be able to you know eliminate. But for the most part, the Packers won this game twenty to fifteen because of how the defense responded. Offensively, the step forward that we saw was with the run game, the reemergence of Aaron Jones, and in seeing exactly how dynamic he can be. Because the one thing we hadn't really seen, Mike, to this point, was him break that big gain. His largest carry before yes or before Sunday was 28 yards. He yeah. broke the 42 yard. 42 yarder. And yeah. a credit on that, a three tight end package. It was the receiver Jake Kumro that was busting him free there, uh, on the left side of the line. Yeah, so, got the big block on the safety. Yeah, so yeah. there are. Uh, you know, positives that you draw from and things that it's like, okay, that's something you can hang your hat on. This is what we could be down the line. But you also need to have the passing element honed up, and you've seen it. You've seen Devontae Adams. You've seen Alan Lazard. You've seen these receivers have big games. Can you do it more consistently now? Because these next two games, Mike, as I said, I mean, New York and Washington, those were the two where it's like, okay, you get the wins, you feel good about yourself. Chicago and Minnesota are two of the tougher defenses the Packers are going to play all season, yeah. especially if Akeem Hicks comes back this week, which is what all signs are pointing towards. The front is going to be short up. Yes, they don't have Roquan Smith, but they have a good scheme, and Chuck Pagano has been really intelligent with how he's used that personnel. And then Minnesota, you always know what you're getting with Mike Zimmer. So this is where they got to rise up because if you take care of business against Chicago and Minnesota, then people expect you to be able to go in Detroit and win that one in the season finale, especially if Matthew Stafford doesn't come back. Can you rise to that occasion? This is what this week is about. This is the first part of that test. Yeah, and I know we'll talk about it more tomorrow with regards to the Bears, but I made this comment in Monday's Insider Inbox writing late Sunday night after the rest of our postgame coverage was uh, was up on the website. The Chicago Bears are playing for their season. I mean, there's uh, there's just there's no two ways about it. They 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 are going to come into Lambeau Field and absolutely lay it all on the line because uh, um, this is it. I mean, and as we talked about yesterday, the Bears could run it here and get to ten and six, and it still might not be enough to yeah. get into the postseason. Right. But they know they cannot afford a seventh loss. I mean, uh, if if the Packers beat the Bears on Sunday. I don't know if the Bears are necessarily fully mathematically eliminated. That might depend on some other things. 
but they are eliminated with regard to the Packers. I mean, the Packers will essentially have eliminated yeah. them. That that Chicago cannot catch Green Bay in any way, shape, or form. And uh, and this is a Bears team that yes, there were some there were some low moments. They've uh, they've underachieved to a certain extent, but they were twelve and four. They were twelve and four last year for a reason. They were a field goal away from yeah. getting to the divisional round of the playoffs, and they're starting to play like that twenty eighteen Chicago Bears team again. A couple things here. One, you're right. They'll still even if they lose to the Packers on Sunday, they still could have that potential playoff door open. But they need Minnesota to lose out. They need the Rams to lose out, uh, and, and certainly that would include them beating the Vikings in their regular season finale. But the the part that you raise, I think, is a good point because it's something I talked with Mercedes Lewis about last week. This is a guy that's been around now for 13, 14 years in the NFL. And he mentions how the parity of the league in the, the margin for error is so small with how much parity that there is. And, and there really isn't that much that separates a team like the Bears from being a legitimate playoff contender. I mean, look at it, Mike. I mean, they beat the team that could very well end up winning the NFC East still in Dallas last week. Yeah. And it was a convincing victory. Yeah. That but you play by the rules and the rules are is the divisions get a win. You know, whoever wins the division gets a bye or gets a seating and gets a home game. Yeah. And two of them get buys. But you know, for for the Packers here, I think the important thing is going to be at ten and three to show that this is what we present, this is what we offer, and this is who we are. We've been more consistent than the Bears have been this season. And it's put us in a position now to potentially control our own destiny going into the playoffs. But to your original point, the Bears are dangerous because there is nothing to lose at yeah. this case. And unlike There's New York, nothing to lose, but yet everything to lose at the same time. And that's right, because yeah. unlike New York and Washington, who at least, you know, depending on what they do with their coaching staffs, you know that personnel is built beyond this year. They're not looking at this year. The Bears were looking at this year. They were staring this season in the eye and they wanted to be able to make a run and they wanted to show that they could be a team that goes from the division champion to a conference champion to a Super Bowl contender. They weren't able to do that to this point. So yeah, you have a GM, you have a head coach, you have personnel there that they were very forward thinking with that they put a lot of eggs in this basket that's right in front of us. And it's that that's what makes the Bears dangerous, and it makes it so that Lafleur and his coaching staff, and once these players come back into the building on Wednesday, they have to be up on it because in order for this to be relevant, in order for the Packers to consider themselves to be legitimate playoff contenders, they needed to get through these three weeks. They've gotten through two of them. You need to beat the Bears, and then you need to be able to do the what they haven't been able to do, which is win in U.S. Which is, Bank yeah, Stadium. which is to win in Minneapolis, and that'll be uh, certainly coming up soon enough. Well, with regard to the Bears, we know that they're coming off of a mini-buy, having played uh, on the previous two Thursdays, as a matter of fact. Um, and, But I also want to get to some of the other results from this past Sunday in the NFL because, boy, that game in New Orleans, Wes, San yeah. Francisco, 49ers against the Saints, back and forth, back and forth. It was, uh, um, it was like watching the – you know, watching the score on like a pinball machine <laughs> yeah. or something, the way the way the numbers just kept rising and rising. And it comes down to the Saints coming back from nine points down in the fourth quarter. They take the lead. The 49ers get the ball last and a big fourth down conversion to George Kittle, coupled with a face mask penalty that takes what would have been a fairly lengthy field goal into more of chip shot range for Robbie Gold. And the San Francisco 49ers 
reclaim the number one spot in the NFC with a 48 to 46 shootout victory. San Francisco 11 and 2, New Orleans is 10 and 3. How freaking good is Drew Brees though? 40 <laughs> years old to put 349 passing yards. I believe that was a season high against Robert Sala's pass defense. Yeah, against that against that. I mean, it, those are those are two teams that have played some pretty good defense yeah. for the bulk of the season. And it's just it's just an example of how you absolutely never know in this league how games are going to I mean, yeah. who would have thought Yes, I mean, the 49ers have a really good offense. Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback. The Saints have been really good on offense for a number of years. But nobody thought with those two defenses going head-to-head in December that there'd be 94 points on the board in regulation, mind you. It didn't even... Didn't even go to overtime. Well, there's a certain four-eyed beat writer sitting to your left right now that decided not to start Drew Brees in his fantasy league. (laughs) Went with uh, Russell Wilson instead, and... That turned yeah. out great. So how, did, for me. I'll how, be did that, how did that go? I'll be for looking you? forward to playing in the consolation bracket this week in the Green Bay Ballers yeah, there you League. Go. But have, um, have fun with that. But no, turning the focus back, a couple things we learned here. One, Kyle Shanahan can coach, man, because it's not even about the schemes. It's about the fact that the Saints came back um, and they they put those points on the board. There's fifty some seconds left, forty some seconds left, and for Shanahan to rally the troops and for Jimmy Garoppolo to manage that situation, this was another one of those games like we saw last month where the running game did get going, but it didn't dictate the tempo like it has in the past for the 49ers. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo needed to win that game, and George Kittle, who did diddly squat in the first half, <laughs> believe even he had a fumble at one point. He comes back and is their big playmaker down the stretch. That's what you anticipate from those players. And credit to the 49ers to be able to come back and pull that out because the storyline until Week 17 now, unless the 49ers actually claim this number one seed, is the fact that they ended up losing to Seattle in a game in which they could have tied and really controlled their destiny down the stretch. They needed this win. They needed to claw their way back because there's going to be a really good team from the NFC West that's going to be a five seed. And that's just the reality. And the 49ers want to make sure it's not them. Yeah. Well, I give the I give the 49ers, I give the 49ers a heck of a lot of credit because everybody talked about, you know, this gauntlet that they were facing, where they were going to, where they were going to have to face Green Bay, and then the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. and then the New Orleans Saints back to back to back. And what did they do? They ended up winning two out of those three, and the one that they lost was on a, essentially on a walk-off field goal, the same way that they yeah. beat that they beat the Saints in New Orleans. And and I'm telling you, Wes, I, you know, I realize I'm I'm biased in this sense because in my years covering the Packers, I've only been to the New Orleans Superdome twice, yeah. and the Packers pretty much got it handed to them both times, and I left both of those games with an absolute ear-splitting headache from all of the noise. I think that Superdome is one of the toughest places yeah. in the NFL to play. I certainly would not like the Packers to have to go there in January if it comes down to that. Bring your Advil. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to bring a whole bottle. <laughs> but for the 49ers to go in there in December in that big of a matchup and to perform the way they did and to pull, and to pull out a victory, I mean, I know – if you and I were sitting here, Packers fans, if the Packers were involved in a game like that, Packers fans would be going crazy saying the defense isn't ready for the playoffs, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Nobody's saying that with New Orleans and San Francisco because their their defenses their defenses have 
done a really good job throughout the bulk of the season, and this was just one of those games that just took on a certain path, and that's how this league can go sometimes. Exactly, and so much of it is based on who you're playing, too. I mean, with all due respect to Washington, there's a reason why the Packers' defense, you know, 262 yards compared to, you know, some of these other weeks where they've had 400. I mean, you expect to give up yards when you face the New Orleans Saints, yeah. especially in their own place. That's just the way that, the, the you know, the business goes. The thing that is surprising to me that's going to be one of the interesting storylines to follow getting back to the Superdome, the Saints have been beatable at home this year. They have and been. that is something that has not really been a thing in the past with them. I totally agree with you. So seeing how they perform here into January is going to be really intriguing to watch. They're going to get one home game for sure, and we'll see what happens with, obviously, that number two seed. Yeah. But right now, as it stands, I think it's been three times they've been beaten at home now. Atlanta, right? And now San Francisco. And then when there was one more, was there not? I thought, yeah, I thought they got, I, I can't remember for sure. You now. keep talking and sounding yeah. smart and I'm going to look. Well, that's okay. The, the other one, the other one that oh, is... Oh, there was uh, only two. I'm sorry. There's only two. They okay. lost at the Rams. Yeah. Well, and obviously they and ended they up, uh, granted it was the bad call and everything, but they did lose the NFC Championship at home Correct. last year to the Los yeah. Angeles Rams. Um, the other one, though, that is worth talking about, too, is the Rams because they hosted Sunday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. And as much as we've been talking about the Bears and how they're starting to look a lot more like the 2018 Bears, the Rams are starting to look a lot more like the 2018 Rams that yeah. won the NFC and went to the Super Bowl. They are still on the fringe here trying to stay in the race, but... Uh, they handled a contender in pretty impressive fashion, knocking Seattle down a peg, and uh, the Rams are still right in the mix here. People want to talk about with the Packers and some of the areas that they're struggling with. Seattle is a real legitimate contender in the NFC, and they are not averse to having just completely laying it a game. They've, they've done it several times this season. They can play with anybody, but there's also moments where it just seems like that offense can't even get going. Yeah. And they, and they've, and they've had, ga they've had games where their defense has let them down right. as well. They, they had a home game earlier this year, Wes, where they had to go to overtime to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Now, Bruce Arians is doing some good things in Tampa and trying to turn things around there. But that game ended up, you know, something like, you know, 40-whatever to 30-whatever in overtime. And that's not the type of defense you would expect to see Seattle playing at home. So they have their flaws and their vulnerabilities as well. And they, you know, they've been, they've had their struggles in certain games this year. And they're sitting there at 10-3 and three in the same position as the Packers. And now you have the Rams who are trying to play catch-up on everyone. I mean, that's why if the Packers can take care of business this week against the Bears, and again, that's a big if, you can't look ahead, but... There, there's so many implications with that potential Vikings game because it's not just about, you know, where the Packers are. The Vikings need to stay in this thing for the wild card too, based on you know the Rams still being in the hunt. Absolutely. The one thing, and Sean McVay discussed it recently. They're getting back to Todd Gurley. Now, this wasn't the game that's going to go on Todd Gurley's highlight reel. Sure. But I think LA is starting to realize after getting away from it late last season that Gurley is one of your top playmakers, unless there's a legitimate thought that okay something's wrong with his knee and you just got to be careful you got to feed him and even if it is a game like this where he only averages three and a half yards a carry that's the identity though right isn't that the reason why the Rams originally became the contenders that they were because they got Gurley going and they were able to kind of pull him out of those dull those doldrums that sort of were during that last Jeff Fisher season this game what did he have 27 touches I mean the more he touches the ball the more this offense is in sync and I think you're seeing that that is really getting back to Jared Goff. 
I think he's a really talented quarterback. I don't know if he's at the juncture in his career where he can just put the ball in his hands and let him let him run the show. Well, he I needs think it's a complimentary run game. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot with the Rams offense right now, much like we're seeing with the Packers offense in a lot of stages where when you can get some things going on the ground and then you are working play action yeah, off of that, right. you, wor- you work play action and suddenly guys are running free in the secondary and your quarterback's got these big throwing lanes and bang, you're hitting plays. If you're not getting the running game going and you're just trying to play a straight drop back game or just line up in the shotgun all the time and and have the quarterback survey the field, defenses are coming up with a lot more answers for that when uh, when they don't have to honor the play action right. and, and things aren't working off of that. So the Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur offenses, I think, are very similar in that respect. And what I saw on Sunday getting back to the Packers is it just felt like every time and obviously they had the running game going with Aaron Jones, and it felt like every time Aaron Rodgers ran a play action, there was somebody open. Now, yeah. they didn't connect on all of them because, right. as we talked about at the beginning, there were some plays that just missed and everything. But other than one time, I remember Washington on one side of the field, they completely stayed home on the play action, and it wasn't there, and Rodgers had to throw it away or something like that or take a check down. Other than that one play, it seemed like every time Rodgers ran play action, there was somebody open, the play – the play design was exactly what you were looking for, and uh, that's something I think that the Packers can really make the foundation of things moving forward. They weren't able to carry it through for the last three quarters, but that first quarter, what they were able to do, getting Rodgers open in space with some rollouts, rolling both sides of the field, and, yeah. and that you people always want to talk about identities, and I kind of laugh at that. I mentioned in inbox, winning is an identity, but. That is something I think when you look at this team down the stretch that it can really do well. When Rodgers is outside the pocket with the way that those guys can block and the threat that those running backs present now as pass catchers in addition to what they do as running backs, that's going to be interesting to watch. I think that is definitely a foundational point of this offense that they can build on. Yeah, I think that's where uh, – I think that's – that's if there is something this offense is going to hang its hat on moving forward, I think that's where it has to be. So, But for now, we do need to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and be sure to check out the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.